This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. A Florida crime-fighting grandmother. A cheerleader with pot brownies. Sealing a German vineyard? The last game in the old ballpark for the Cubs. Rick's brush with Peter Max. And uh, we'd speak with celebrity sportscaster Chet Coppin. Godfather. All that and much more on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Welcome to another episode of Minutia Man with uh, Rick Camper and Dave Stern. We're in episode number 110. And second episode from your basement, from your mom's basement. My mom's number basement. Number two. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, catch you up, if you weren't listening last week, we... Uh, Everybody's listening. I mean, of course, of course you were listening last week, but um, there's a huge construction project going on outside my house. It's super loud, um, and so we can't record it at my house uh, without hearing loud construction noises. Mm-hmm. So my mother has been kind enough to allow us to do the show from her basement, and that's where we are this week again. And look at Sheep uh, made a little bagels... Cream cheese, um, salmon, and a little hard-boiled egg on, on top. It was very nice, and we appreciate it very much. I also like at the end of our show, or when I was leaving your house last week, yeah, uh, on the way out, oh, it's David, time for shots. Yeah, and, that's and true. We got a little, I got a little plum shot of liqueur on the way out, and it was what? 10.45 in the morning or so? I think it was after 11. It was like 11.05. So thank, it's not this crazy. Is the greatest, this is the greatest uh, post-game spread we've ever had. You know what? I, I So I love the fact that she made you bagels and, and uh, locks. Yeah, and, and you got nothing. And gave, she gave me squat. <laughs> she gave me squat. Uh, oh, is, what time is Dave coming? <laughs> Dave will be here, uh, you know, around 9.45. Okay, well, I'm going to make him some sandwiches. Okay, that's that's very nice, Mom. Um, so uh, we're sitting here in the basement. Oh, there's my mother right there. I know. What What's up, Mom? This door keeps opening, closing, and opening on this trunk. Oh, your your trunk door keeps opening and closing. Is it? Really? Well, it, yeah. is it open or closed now? It appears is it appears that I have my fob in my pocket, and I was hitting the little button. I guess. What what do you call that? A, f- a key fob. A fob. Fob. F O B. I don't know what it stands for. All right. Well, I closed the. I closed it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a good neighborhood. What are they going to steal? I mean, there's nothing there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you probably have a bunch of books in there. Uh, yeah, but yeah. All right. I'm sure everybody will leave there twenty bucks. Yes, please close it, Mom. Thank Change you. the oil, too, if you can. <laughs> God, she loves you so much. It's so What's funny. Not to love? Well, remember the time, was it Sean's baptism? Uh, no, it was uh, Johnny's. It was Johnny's baptism, yeah. and it was on Mother's Day. Yeah. So I brought flowers. I'm still pissed at you about this. <laughs> for your mom and Bridget's mom and Bridget. And nobody in either of your families brought flowers for everybody, for yeah. anybody. And I was, I was the, I was the guy. I think that might be it. That might be the flowers, right? Yeah, that yeah. might be it. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about books, um, and I uh, went through my bookshelf here, my my old childhood bookshelf, which is still in the basement where it was uh, in the in the seventies, and here it is. 
some books that I uh, purchased. Remember in, in school when they used to give you like uh, flyers? Yeah. And you check off right, which right, right, books right, you right, want right. and they were like, you know, a dollar right, or right, whatever. Right, sure. I always bought the sports books because, well, I didn't care about anything right. else when I was a kid. So I have three books here. This one is uh, All Pro Football Stars, 1977. So, And is that Walter on the Walter cover? Walter Payton uh-huh. on the cover. We've got All Pro Basketball Stars of 1978. Uh, who is that, Dr. J? Dr. J is on the cover. Here's one, uh, the great running backs, Mercury Morris, Ron Johnson. Uh, who's this other guy? Uh, Calvin Hill and Floyd Little, the great running backs. Uh, no one remembers any of those guys. Well, that uh, was when the Dolphins were just... Crazy yeah. good, right? Yeah, and Great. Calvin Hill was big for the yeah, uh, Cowboys, Cowboys Cal- right? Yeah. Uh, Mercury Morris was the Dolphins, Ron Johnson, the Gi- Anyway, um, I bring this up because we have a sports uh, celebrity. The Godfather. Yeah, Godfather of Sports Talk in Chicago, Chet Kopik. And he's, I, I think he's going to actually even talk about some of the players that we just talked about, too. That's right, at least one of them. Right. That's a tease. Yeah. We won't say which one, uh, but that's coming up in just a bit. Rick, um, are you familiar with the um, Myers-Briggs personality test? By yeah, any sure. Right. It's it's a lot like, it's kind of like a BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah, I think I'm an I-N-T-J. Uh, oh, wow. No. You really remember? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm an I-S-T-P. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, and I'm referred to as the mechanic. <laughs> Let me read. I want to read you what my results are. Okay. And I had to take this for my uh, teaching gig. Quiet and reserved. That's okay. not you. Okay. Interested in how and why things work. Also not you. Excellent skills with mechanical things. Also not you. Oh, my you. God. The risk takers. No, definitely not you. Who live for the moment. Okay. Also not you. Usually interested and talented at extreme sports. Wow, this um, is so this is so wrong. Now, if you remember, and I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, I took that twenty three and Me DNA test, yeah, and they said that I have the DNA of a an elite power athlete, <laughs> which is also not so. True. <laughs> I have the personality of an elite power athlete and the DNA, and I think just purely by my procrastination and lack of effort, I could be the next Jim Thorpe. I think. you could be Mercury Morris. <laughs> I could be Mercury Morris. <laughs> Uh, uncomplicated in their desires. Now that is true. Yeah. I mean, I got the bagel and s- yeah. the, the locks platter. That's right. pretty much all I'm looking. Um, detached and analytical, and they excel at finding solutions to practical problems. So not so much. Uh, yeah. I don't think this is a particularly good representation of who yeah, I am. No, that's, that's very bad. I, I, whatever I am, uh, it's, it's only like 2% of the population. Um, I think it's INTJ or INFJ. Uh, I, I am I, an ISTP. But you know, the I is for introverted. Yes, I'm yeah. definitely an I. Uh, and so am I, but yeah. no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not introverted. No, you're you're an E. Yeah. I'm the I'm the elevator guy. Hey, how you doing? I'm yeah. Dave. <laughs> that's that's true. Well, elevator guy, do you have any uh minutiae this week? Uh do you got the uh, Florida jingle uh, handy? You know, in that? I actually could not find the Florida jingle this morning. Oh. I right. I don't know why. It's gone. Well, it's probably because it's been some time since we've had a story from Florida. Yeah. Um this comes out of now it's I think it's pronounced Titusville. But I like calling it Titusville. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, headline, Florida grandma scares off naked intruder by popping her dentures out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to W. By the way. That's a great headline. (laughs) I don't even need to know what the story is. That is a great headline. So according to WFTV, Axel Rivera, age 28, this is not the grandmother, this is the accused, Uh was wearing a two-piece jail outfit and a pair of flip-flops when he faced a judge Friday afternoon on charges of burglary and exposing sexual organs, which was three times more clothing than Titusville, Police said Rivera was wearing when he was discovered on Penelope Peterson's screened porch at around 2 a.m. Okay. Hmm. Uh, doesn't give the age of Penelope Peterson. She's a grandmother in Florida, so 38, <laughs> 39. <laughs> I always look first, Penelope said. I opened the blinds and said, what the hell? That's not my cat. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Peterson, who once worked in security and law enforcement, decided she'd give the intruder a fight. Okay. Okay. She popped out her teeth. Grandma got no teeth. She shouted. She shouted, Grandma has no teeth. Wow. Uh, and again, uh, at, Re- at Rivera's first appearance hearing, the prosecutor said alcohol may have been a factor. So she yells. Grandma- so, so he ran away after that? Mm-hmm. Grandma got no teeth and scared the crap because, out of him. Because, you know, there, there was a, a hooker. That used to proposition me on my way back from the Hancock when I was working overnights at the Loop, and the and that was a unique selling. It, it point. was. It was like a feature. She's like, "Hey, I got no teeth." Um, so this grandmother is like a Florida crime fighting superhero. Yeah, you know, denture lady, right? Well, I love it. Uh, I thought of a couple of other Florida soup crime fighting superheroes. Okay, here right? we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Old left turn signal guy. Very good. Okay. Helps law enforcement apprehend criminals <laughs> by getting in front of them and confusing them with his constant blinker. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Uh, public diaper changer lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, she use, she uh, uses th- uh, dirty diapers and throws them at criminals, mostly at a Walmart or a Walmart okay. parking lot. All right. Um, and this is my favorite. Uh, I'm not a racist guy. Okay. <laughs> Confederate flag wearing crime fighter who starts every conversation with, I'm not a racist, but <laughs> I'm a student of American history. That's why I have this Confederate flag. So there you go. That is our Florida story. Okay. I have one uh, from Michigan. And uh, here's the story, Dave. Hartford, Michigan. Hartford police can't recall anything like this ever happening in their town. They say that a student. A 17-year-old female gave brownies to athletes in high school. That's nice. Yes. The brownies were included inside goodie bags for the football team during homecoming week. That's nice. That's That's sweet. That's a sweet story. Um, However, a principal mentioned they were getting some tips in about possible brownies that may have been laced with marijuana oil. Uh, He said that the high school got a tip through their, their tip line. That a 17-year-old cheerleader brought pot brownies to school for some football players. And here's the kicker. she The leftovers then were used to sway votes in an effort to become the homecoming queen of the school. That's just good. That's just good marketing. Like, right I'm not saying this as grown-up Rick, but 17-year-old oh, Rick. You've got my vote. I, a cheerleader with pot brownies? <laughs> I mean, where do I vote? Where do I vote for hope? The only thing better would have been maybe, and this is 17-year-old Rick, uh, uh, maybe a French maid with a <laughs> bottle of peppermint schnapps 
or yeah. a, you know a naughty librarian <laughs> with a frosty mug of German beer. Right, right. That, a 17-year-old Rick. Right, right, right. Right now it would be. 55-year-old Rick is offended right. by the yeah. concept of this. Uh, you, you'd also, uh, yeah. my daddy's got a liquor store. <laughs> Cheerleader with the pot brownies. Oh I mean, come on. Oh my God. Come uh, on. If she's not the homecoming queen, I don't know who is. Right. right. I, th- then the terrorists have won. Yes, exactly. Rick, we got a winner, buddy. Okay. Who is it? Uh, Michael B. from Georgia. Oh, I love Michael B. Uh, what he did is he retweeted and followed us on Twitter. Yeah. And that's all you got to do to win. That's I mean, true. It's pretty, pretty damn easy. Yeah. Uh, he picked himself an Amish Chicago coffee mug. And I said last week that we we're running out. Yeah. Don't worry. Found another box of them. Uh, he, he's also won uh, Rich Kings back in the game. Okay. That's a good one. And we've got Chuck Coppock coming up later on. Another yeah. sports icon. It all ties in. Um, also, he wins every ticket stub I have from my eight, uh, 2018 home games from the Cubs. No, oh. they're not worth anything, but they've got pretty part- art on it. Yeah. How many of those did you go to? Uh, well, I didn't go to any of them. I sold all the. Okay. I, I sold yeah, most of them. I'm, I'm, uh, like, I'm tearing up at the heartwarming nature of that and, story. And he also picked up uh, John Records Landecker's uh, book, Records Truly is My Middle Name. Not the Hall of Fame edition, because we're yeah. not made out of money here. Oh, this is still, this is this prize package is easily it's worth near $50. I think so. Uh, and again, all you got to do is retweet and follow us. And don't forget to subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, pod Bean. Where, wherever all great podcasts Podable, Schnippity Weepy, and all those. So there you go. Okay. Um, I got something else, Rick, and this kind of is part of your people. You you might appreciate this for right. your, um, you know, because of your ethnic background. Uh-huh. Thieves steal entire German vineyard. I'm trying to picture how that is even possible. Well, let's be honest. You people... And other people's land. Yeah. You like to take other people's right. land. So yeah. this is not Again, completely. Every, every single week. Every po- single week. Police in southern Germany are looking for thieves who stole an entire vineyard of grapes from under their noses. <laughs> the criminals. Now think about this. Germans. Yeah. Efficient. They are. These are efficient <laughs> <They> are. criminals. <laughs> uh, they made off the field full of grapes by running a professional harvesting machine over the entire vineyard. <laughs> so like Klaus and Schmauch just said, okay. Once this is what we're going to do, we're going to get big machine. No one's going to know the different. And they did. And they took the entire, uh, all the grapes. What and, kind of, what kind of grapes were they? Uh, they're white grapes used to make Riesling. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, Klaus, I'm thirsty for some very sweet Riesling wine. Yeah. Uh, what was most galling to the police is the fact that the vineyard does not lie in some remote hillside, but right next to a car park. Of major supermarkets and the outskirt of the village of Dierderstein. Yeah. Oh, oh, and uh, what is he doing with the harvester? It's none of our business, yeah, Hildegard. Right. Well, because what it is, is he looked like he was supposed to be, or they looked like they were supposed to be there. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah, cool. Um, so there you go. Uh, well, if, you know, that's a, a lot of hot grapes. It's a mastermind. It's a, it's a, it's a criminal that uh, is brazen. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so we, we make, tip our cap. Make it look like you should be there. <laughs> it is time for our Cubs feature. Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This is Just One Bad Century. With Rick and Dave. So this is going to be the last one of the year. Okay? This is the last Just One Bad Century feature of the year. Because the Cubs were eliminated. They just, yeah, the just had one bad week. One bad week. Uh, it was not a good week. I was there for one of the games. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll talk. 
I'll talk about this game with Chet in a, in a little bit, but uh, I want to talk to you about uh, what happened on this day. We should have known that it was going to be a bad day. Something bad is going to happen. A hundred and three years ago. Okay. In 1915. Okay. The Cubs played their final game at Westside Grounds. All right, that had been their home since 1893. It was considered a fire hazard and a safety hazard because it was made of wood yeah. and it was falling apart. And the Cubs owner, Charles Murphy, just refused to fix it up because... <laughs> slumlord. You know, he was a slumlord, basically. He, he totally was. And he was despised in Chicago. Attendance had gotten so bad that year that the Cubs were the third highest drawing professional team in Chicago behind the White Sox and the Federal League Wales who played at what is now known as Wrigley Field. Okay, so the Cubs so the Cubs were drawing third. The Cubs were third, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, despite its sorry state in 1915, the West Side West, West Side grounds had seen the the glory days of the Cubs. The Yeah, 08 and yeah, the 06, 07, 08 and 1910 all saw World Series mm-hmm. games. At, at that ballpark. It's where Tinker, Evers, and Chance played their entire career together. And uh, on this day, they stopped playing there, and they tore down the fire trap, and they moved on to a different field. So, Did, did they move on to Wrigley, uh, Wegman Parker, Parker, whatever, or whatever? No? Yes, they okay. went uh, across town. And by the way, they were also a west side team. Yeah. They were not a north side team at that time. They moved to the north side and have been there ever since. Well, as you know, I am not a... Cub fan yes, by birth, I do know that. Uh, but I was rooting for the Cubs. Um, and it's not like I'm not some small petty man anymore, which I am. Yeah. yeah I had a financial interest. In, yes, exactly. In, so for them to win, but I have to be honest with you, I was upset when they lost. And I thought to myself, you people have been Cub fans for all these years. And this you keep getting punched in the gut like this every year. How are you still a Cub fan? Uh, it oh, was Dave. Twenty sixteen, we won the World Series. Yeah. So <clears throat> don't you forget that. Barely, you lost three of the games. Okay, all right. Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This oh. is just one bad century with Rick and Dave. I already played that, didn't I? Uh, all right, yeah. so now we're recapping. Uh, let's <laughs> go and <laughs> play this one. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture, collection, selection, assemblage, medley, assortment, variety. Time now for celebrity potpourri. With Rick and Dave. Uh, this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, which is now in its third location. Mm-hmm. Right. Third, yeah, third yeah. location. It was at your house first, it's and like then the, it was at my house. It's like and the Stanley Cup. It travels with It was like the Stanley Cup. That's right. right. I, um, so go ahead. Reach in and pull out a name of a celebrity, and I will tell the story of uh, having met that celebrity. Oh, I'm interested in this one. Peter Max. Uh, do you know who that is? Yeah, he's the artist, the seven, uh, the '60s artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was famous. I have a poster from him, I think. Yeah. A signed poster from him. Yes, I, that's the story I'll tell today. Actually, I I got a signed poster for you and for me. Mm-hmm. And while he was, so he was on the air with uh, John Records Landecker. While he was on the air with us, he sketched some stuff while he was on the air. Sketched us and gave it to us after the show. Wow. Which that's I like th- that's like Picasso paying his I, I you know his restaurant I, bill. I by. went on his website uh, I don't know six seven months ago, and he's selling some pieces for like fifty thousand dollars. Wow! So I wonder if that's worth anything at all. He might be a celebrity minute guy. Oh, we could get him on. I'll, I'll um, reach out to Peter Max. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was uh, famous for doing the pop art in the 1960s, the really flamboyant, really colorful stuff, like Yellow Submarine. He was involved in the Yellow Submarine project, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So if you ever see Peter Max, um, know that uh, Dave and I own some of his work. Right, which may now be on eBay (laughs) shortly because I forgot about it. Uh, But that's all I got on him. Um, But we do have somebody standing by here, Dave, another celebrity. This would be our Celebrity Minutes, and we do have audio for that. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, joining us now on the phone, uh, the godfather of sports talk radio, maybe the man that invented the entire format, Chet Kopic. How are you, Chet? Well, Mr. Kemper? <laughs> yes. Mr. Stern? Yeah. How are you, sir? With both of you. What's new in your world? Uh, well, I don't know if you heard, the Chicago Cubs kind of uh, didn't quite do what we thought they were going to do. Yeah, I was at that game, Chet. It was a uh, 13-inning game. It ended at like, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning or 12.30 or something ridiculous. And uh, uh, I feel like it was a waste of my uh, time and money. Well, I I don't blame you, but, uh, you know, who would have thought in our lifetime we'd see two ball clubs celebrating – consecutive days, uh, victories that advanced them in the playoff environment at Cubs Park. Yeah. I mean, that was strange, number one. Number two, um, I'm getting tired of people bum-wrapping Joe Mad. I don't always agree with uh, Joe, but, I mean, he can't be held accountable for the fact that uh, um, rival managers no longer have the game plan for Cal uh, Schwarber, the fact that uh, Rizzo had a miserable April, uh, the pitching staff had issues, uh, Moro was down and out, and uh, here's one that here's one that I'm contemplating. I don't know if we haven't seen his best days, and he might just be one of those guys who was a remarkable, remarkable flash in the pan. But I am I am no longer sold at all on Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. I thought was just uh, peculiarly uh, indifferent with the with the bat during those uh, two ball games this past. Uh, several days. Do you think we might be looking at another, like, Ron Kittle sort of thing? That's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a good analogy. Kittle and, uh, I remember, you know, covering Ron back in 1983, and it was it was a joy to cover him. He was a big a big um, little Abner-type character from, you know, um, uh, the region, Gary, Indiana. He had 35 home runs with 100 RBIs. Then Kitty came up with an assortment of injuries, and, you know, right now, uh, uh, Bryant apparently has a labrum injury, which is bothering him. But in the case of Kittle, what what I find to be interesting, Rick, is that if he would have stayed healthy, he would have hit 300 home runs. But he just he just couldn't keep himself out of the whirlpool bath. And as a result, um, what what made Ron Kittle interesting in this town was not so much what he did with the bat, but the fact that his uh, his personality just, as you know, glows. Yeah, he's a funny, likable guy, and not. Uh, uh, he's nailed her at uh, everybody's party. Chet, you've been to uh, how many stadiums? Do you think you've been to two thousand? How many games have I been to? No stadiums, stadiums. different stadiums. Two thousand, a thousand. How many stadiums? <laughs> Just ballpark. How many stadiums? Do you think? Wow! If we if we added up all the all the basketball, baseball, football, hockey games I've been to, it's got to be about fifteen hundred to uh, two thousand. Which of those 1,500 is the worst stadium you've ever been to? 
Oh, this, this is easy. <laughs> this is really easy. In uh, 1970, guys, uh, I was way too young, but I got a job producing the Milwaukee Bucks radio network, and ironically, that was here the ball club won the NBA title with uh, a young uh, Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem, and Oscar Robertson. Well, the first time we go to Cleveland, uh, we were playing on Euclid Avenue. And, I mean, you know, Euclid Avenue was about as safe as Englewood. <laughs> and uh, we stayed in a crummy Holiday Inn, and the ballplayers were ordered not to leave the hotel under any circumstances <laughs> until the team bus got there. Well, you know, we get to the ballpark about uh, an hour and a half in front of the game, and we're playing in the old Cleveland Arena, which it hadn't discovered plexiglass, yet it had chicken wire around the uh, around the dashers for uh, the Cleveland Barons hockey team. And I wanted to introduce myself to uh, uh, Bill Fitch, the head coach of the Cavs. And I said, uh, this place kind of gets you down. He said, oh, no, not at all. We leave the nation in one category, stolen cars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a good one. Chet, um, have you ever wrestled an animal? This is I, a team I, oh, for you. Yes. I know I the answer to this question, but I just want you to tell the story because I love the story I, so I, much. I think everybody should do it at least once. I, I did it three times. It's it's kind of interesting, Rick. Uh, this goes back to about 1976 or seven. I'm sportscasting in Indianapolis, and having a great run. And Sandy Knapp, who was the marketing director for the Pacers, called up and said, well, "We booked Victor the Bear. Would you be willing to wrestle him?" I said, "Absolutely." And I said, "The you know, the only." The only demands I have are, one, I want to go on last. I want all the other cognacs who go on before me, I want to go on last. I then called up Dick the Bruiser, a legendary wrestler who lived about five blocks away from from me in Indianapolis. And I asked him if I could, uh, you know, borrow some trunks and some uh, jacket (laughs) and other things. And, you know, he gave me me a Roman... Uh, he made like a Roman helmet to wear, and I, I got one of our uh, secretaries, a cute gal in our office, to be my slave girl. <laughs> and, uh, we went out, and I mean, the crowd booed like crazy. And I had told uh, uh, Ruffy Silverstein, Victor's trainer, that I wanted to lose in about 15 seconds and then have him uh, give me a couple of flying mares and a forearm smash and then let, let the other people pile on me. And, and it worked. I mean, it just... It Wait just a second. Wrestling worked. is fake? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a scoop for you. All right. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 truth be told, I took a diet against the bear. <laughs> I love that story, uh, Chad. What was, I, what was interesting was uh, Philadelphia was in town that night, and um, Julius Irving <laughs> saw me wrestle the bear. <laughs> and, and ever since then, whenever I've seen the doc, He'll always ask me this question. Are you still wrestling bears? <laughs> well, <laughs> but that, that, I mean, that was genuinely fun because the bear, uh, the bear is drugged. He's declawed. Uh, always really worried about his sucking down Coca-Colas. So uh, I, I, I figured if I was going to wrestle him straight, it would be boring. So why not, you know, why not uh, uh, get pinned in about 15 seconds and then go to the history annex, which are so much a part of... Uh, Professional wrestling, as we know it. I love it. Are you still keeping touch with Victor the Bear by any chance? Just as an example. Uh, it is. I, I really feel bad about this. Victor and I haven't corresponded 
in almost two years. Well, uh, ironically, Victor just bought your book. He has, and his credit card bounced, actually, so we're going to need to talk about that later. Uh, Chet, um, as you know, I, I love a good bagel, you know, and a good schmear. What is the best game buffet spread that you've ever witnessed? You know, uh, you know, after a sporting event, the big old after game spread is there? Or one? in a press box, or yeah, you know. press box, or after the game, any of the buffets really stick out into your mind? Yeah, yeah. If I had to pick out uh, one buffet, uh, I'll give you two buffets that were just knockouts. Ironically, both of them were uh, uh, pregame buffets. One would be the old. Uh, Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit, where they just, I mean, they just put everything on the carpet. Uh, pancakes, waffles, Ooh. sausage, omelets, you know, you name it. It was uh, it was fit for a king. And then uh, the Jersey Meadowlands in the swamp, eight miles from uh, Manhattan, their, their, their pregame spread was just absolutely out of this world. So those, those are two. And I, I remember years ago in old Chicago Stadium, the uh, – uh, the press room was on the uh, north side of the arena, and it only for for dinner it only sat about about eight people. So you know, guys would guys would get there early just to get something to eat, and inevitably, if you didn't get there by a quarter to seven for a seven thirty tip off, all the blueberry pie was gone. Yeah. Well, that's which, a bunch of crap. Which, in my opinion, was a, a genuine bummer. <laughs> All right. Now, Chet, you've been on the air uh, in one f- fashion or another for over 40 years. What is the biggest gaffe you ever made on the air? Wow. That's that's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, I don't do well with chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a famous, uh, famous I'm on the old loop. I'm, in, I, I'm interviewing Tommy Lasorda one night. And Tommy never answers a question in under 12 minutes. And <laughs> so Tommy goes into his answer, and we'd had food brought in from Old Bigsby Sports Bar and Grill, and I'm, I'm gnashing on a, a chicken breast and take a real big bite, uh, damn near to choke me. And Tommy, lo and behold, answers a question in about 15 seconds. <laughs> and, and I'm going, Tommy... That's one. Now, this is even better. When I'm on Sporting News Radio, this is about, oh, 2002, 2003, I'm doing a Sunday night show. And now imagine this. I mean, you talk about good karma. Karma landing right in your lap. We had an engineer who's, who was leaving. That was his last night. And he walked in to say goodbye. I'm, I'm interviewing the um, media critic from the Los Angeles Times about something having to do with ESPN or something like that. And lo and behold, he goes into his answer. And what do I do? Once again, take a big bite of chicken. But <laughs> this, wait, it's only going to get better, guys. I mean, this is just the warm-up. We're, we're in the prelim. We're, we're advancing toward the main event. Um, I... Uh, I choke on the chicken. Oh, you do it, uh, Mama I, I, I start pointing. I start pointing toward the window to my engineer, the two engineers, and my producer, all of whom are engaged in conversation. <laughs> now listen to a word I'm saying. And I fall on the floor. Oh, my God. And this engineer who was leaving that night came in and gave me the Heimlich maneuver, and I swear the chicken popped out of my mouth 
must be about 15 feet. <laughs> wow. And, and I got back to doing the interview with uh, the fellow from the Los Angeles Times. He said to me, are you sure you want to continue? <laughs> did you have any more chicken afterwards? Like after the interview, did you get another big old... Uh... Oh, sure. I mean, once yeah. the interview was done, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Horse break, I, yeah, you got to get I, back I, right on that horse. <laughs> I had a couple of thighs and a leg and... <laughs> You know, it was dance to the music. <laughs> now, we have just witnessed perhaps one of the best Chicago Bears performances in history. Uh, what is the worst Bear quarterback that you've, well, in history, or it's certainly one that you have witnessed? We haven't got enough time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, there have been so many bad Bears quarterbacks. Now, most people, you know, most people of a certain age will say Bobby Douglas. Not, not true. Bobby was poorly coached. Uh, he was really meant to be a, a fullback or a tight end and a quarterback. Yeah, he almost um, rushed for 1,000 yards one year. You can't say yeah, he, he yeah, was a bad yeah, quarterback. That was 19, yeah. 1972, he uh, played the Raiders in the final game of the year, and I think he came up 34 yards short of uh, 1,000 yards. It used to be funny because Abe Gibran, who was coaching uh, Bobby in the uh, early 70s after Jim Dooley got fired, uh, Abe had a real interesting way of, motivating Bobby. You know, Bobby was really a nice guy and he had kind of a tender side. He was really a, uh, a lovable guy as he is. And, you know, Bobby would drop back to pass and, you know, he'd go through his progressions and, you know, Bobby wouldn't find a thing because the Bears wide receivers were all in wheelchairs. <laughs> and Abe <laughs> would just yell out, run, you donkey! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that reminds me of a great story about Abe Gibran. We, we have time for it. Sure. Yeah, it would have been about 1970, and uh, Hugh Hefner opened up a film, uh, opened up a theater over at uh, Dearborn and Division, uh, called the Playboy Theater, naturally. And he began booking European art films, which, you know, I mean, that, commercially speaking, you're not going to go very well with European art films. But he did book a film called I Am Curious Yellow which was the uh, first film shown in Chicago, I believe, that had full frontal male and female nudity. So, you know, I, I took the girl I was dating, and we went, and the film was just absolutely laborious. I mean, I, I fell asleep halfway through my uh, my first box of milk duds, and I, I see, I look down to the, to the bottom row of the theater, and I hear this, <sighs> I, I hear this guy snoring like he's a, like he's an elephant. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, that's Abe. And so, you know, film ends, house lights come on, Abe is still sleeping. I, I walk down and I go, Abe. And I pat him on the shoulder, Abe, you got to get up. Abe looks at me and I swear, he said this, don't tell Hallis I was here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love that. So uh, you've interviewed just about every uh, athlete, uh, anyone associated with sports over the last uh, 40 years. Who of all those people that you interviewed was the biggest jerk? I have to give you two. Uh, one would be Will Clark. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that because I hate him. Absolutely a miserable SOB. Just uh, rotten to the core SOB. And the other one, um, he would give you good material once once you got him. But he, he was such a pain. I remember, I remember, for example, when the uh, when MLB went on strike back in '81, uh, the night uh, the night before the uh, the strike began, the uh, Yankees were in town playing the White Sox, 
And I, I, I wanted to go over and get some, get some quotes. I was with Channel 5 in those days, which meant I could actually pay the rent. <laughs> um, and I, um, I went to Reggie. And, and Reggie, I'm not kidding, he looks at me and says, um, only 18 people have hit as many home runs as I've hit. How many people can do your job? 18,000? Wow. And I said, I said, all right, Reggie, you win. Now, you know, give me three minutes. And ironically, he did. He was very good. But, I mean, uh, Reggie could just be, he was a character. He was flamboyant. He was fun to watch. But, I mean, he could be just absolutely miserable. I can see why Billy Martin and Thurman Munson and all, all the Yankees in that area just couldn't stand the guy. Yeah, well, those are two good ones. Um, so I do a, a soccer podcast. I know you're not a, a fan of soccer, but you've obviously seen um, soccer players flopping, you know, where they, they take a dive. Oh, yeah. They, they yeah. roll around like, oh, I'm so hurt, you know, and, the, and they're terrible actors. They're, it's, it's a joke. It's one of the things about soccer that I don't like. You as a, a showman, as someone who has – uh, presented wrestling and has done roller derby and you know how to make a uh, and and has wrestled a bear yeah victor the bear no less <laughs> you you know how to make a make a show out of it what are these guys doing wrong and what what can they learn from your tips of all these years they don't they, they don't sell the flops yeah. properly they really don't i mean if, if you're going to flop you you you've got to really make it a crash and burn um Hockey players flop a lot mm-hmm. from that standpoint. And, you know, it's getting to a point now where uh, wide receivers, if they, if they, if they can't make a catch, uh, they, they will tend to uh, flop and then scream for a, a penalty flight for a pass interference. But uh, getting back to soccer, Rick, here, here is the issue I have with soccer. And I did, ironically, I, I broadcast this thing when they were playing indoor soccer for a couple of years back in the mid-'80s and loved it. I mean, indoor soccer... Is like human pinball. Yeah, that, you know, that it's, was it's fun. It's a very small area. There's a lot of scoring. I, I really loved it. But I, the, the issue I've always had with soccer is I, I just don't feel like our country is the best country. See the World Cup, for example. Yeah. So I, I think uh, people like me and uh, uh, for that reason, a lot of people in general, see it as being a sport that... Uh, uh, is at its best on the other side of the pond. And so as a result, there's a feeling that, you know, no matter whether it's Real Salt Lake or Chicago Fire or uh, whomever, that it's it's really not a great quality product. But the fact is, uh, it is a quality product. I mean, I, I think I think I would like soccer a lot more if I hadn't grown up and began, began playing youth football when I was right. six years old. Yeah. Which is about twelve years before a kid should begin playing football. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. And, and football is you know, losing popularity among uh, youth because of the dangers of the sport. But uh, and well, you know, it is. But I mean, you know, people talk about the uh, the end of football, and you know, the game is not going to survive. There's too much TV money. There's um, there there are too many uh, uh, kids in in Florida. Mississippi, Alabama. What, you're going to walk into Texas and tell Texas to drop football? Yeah, point. You know, they'll, they'll string you up. They'll, they'll start waiting in cold 45s at your uh, 
it is starting. So football <laughs> is always going to be around. However, we, we will continue over the next decade to see even more rule changes to the point that I can see a day coming where you will no longer be allowed to tackle a quarterback. You'll only be allowed to grab him. Yeah. I, I, I can see that coming. Because, I mean, for example, who's, who's the most valuable player in the NFL? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. He's a TV draw. He's a winner. He's charismatic. The NFL needs him on the field. Yeah, that's true. And I root for a, a career-ending injury every time the, the Bears play against him, but uh, that's exactly. just me. <laughs> Chet, you've had a long, wonderful career. Uh, what is your biggest regret, other than doing this podcast, Chet? <laughs> what is the biggest regret that you've had? Well, listen, in the, in the great scheme of podcasts, I've done about 925 of them. <laughs> that were that were weaker than this one. Oh, well, that's, this one, that's high praise. This one's on my A list. Um, I, I, you know, losing my gig at Channel Five, you know, hurt for a lot of years because I felt like I was a uh, a political victim. Uh, although, albeit, you know, when you have a handsome young uh, Italian uh, who's as charismatic as Mark Gian Greco, uh, who are you going to take the Bo Hunt from Northfield or the handsome Italian? You have five seconds to answer. <laughs> he's got a hell of a head of hair to it. <laughs> yes, he does. And I give Mark all the credit in the world. He's been he's been on the air now in Chicago. My gosh, for let's say thirty five years. I mean, that's just an incredible run. That that was disappointing. But I I'll give you I'll give it a killer. In seventy nine, when I'm in Indianapolis, I'm I'm starting to make some noise. Channel Five offers me a job. Um, I was offered a job in uh, Los Angeles. Offered a job in Philadelphia, but um, I got a call from my uh, my agent, and he said uh, I, I was doing a speech in front of a group of women at a country club in Kokomo, Indiana. Let's face it; it doesn't get any better than doing a speech <laughs> in Kokomo, Indiana. That's when you know you've reached uh, <laughs> the, the elixir, the high point. So my my agent says to me, "Are you drinking?" I said, "No." He said, "Good, don't," because in those days, I I, I could you know. I could work the booze pretty well. He said, Washington, D.C. wants to hire you. They're coming in the morning to watch your uh, 10 o'clock news, and they want to have dinner with you. We're, 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 we're going to get this deal. So they flew in and watched the show. I called St. Elmo's Steakhouse, the best steakhouse in America, by the way, and got them to keep the kitchen open for an extra half an hour. And, you know, they, they came equipped with airline tickets to fly out Saturday to uh, D.C. for my former wife and I, and we flew out and they put us in the Watergate. And, you know, there was champagne, flowers, and uh, we went house hunting, and we had lunch in Georgetown, and we had dinner at the Palm that night. And then afterwards, John Warbeck, the GM, we went off to this little, cozy little bar back in uh, Georgetown. And he said, uh, you know, I really want you. He said, I've got an idea. How would you like to do an extra half an hour of sports on Sunday nights, I'd like to call it the Czech Topic Sports Machine. Oh, boy. And I want you to the World Series. I want you to the Masters, oh, wow. the Super Bowl, Wimbledon. I mean, he went through this whole litany of events. I said, John, we got a deal. I said, let me go back and get uh, have my agent get clearance from uh, Channel 8, and I'll, I'll start in two weeks. He went great. And we, we never even talked about money. I mean, money was the least of my worries because I... I knew they were going to pay me reasonably well. Right. But I go back, and Channel 8 would not let me out of my contract. Wow. And I've all, so 
for years and years, ironically, George Michaels, who wound up hosting the sports machine, and I became pretty good pals. And every time I'd see George at an event <laughs> around the country, I'd always remind him, George, just remember one thing. I made you a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chet, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you have a, pleasure, a, a, a new book out. It's called uh, Your Dime, My Dance Floor, Chet Kopic in Pursuit of Chet Kopic. And it is a, a tremendous book. It's available at EckhartsPress.com. Some of the stories you heard today, uh, actually only one of the stories that you heard There's today is in the book. in the book. There are so many stories. Chet has an unlimited supply of stories. It's a great book. We highly recommend it. Thanks, Thank buddy. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, right. buddy. Have a good day. Bye-bye. We can do three hours with Chicago. <laughs> He's like a wind-up doll, yeah. seriously. You, you, all you have to do is say, Chicago Bears, yeah. if and he, go. If he took the, pri- uh, the personality test, he would not be an introvert. <laughs> no, he, he would wouldn't. not be an I. He would definitely be an E. Uh, that's true and chet's got some uh, appearances coming up he's going to be uh, you know what we'll, we'll talk about him as we get closer to those uh, appearances um do you have anything you'd like to say in closing to our our, our beloved listeners well th- thank you to your ma for the yeah the bagel so next week she's not going to be here while we're doing oh the my show. god party oh my god hey invite your high school friends over and we'll have a party oh that's a great idea we'll do a risky business thing. you go get some augsburger beer <laughs> And uh, we'll do it. I'll get Mr. P 99 cent pizzas. (laughs) We'll just have a good old time. Uh, If you'd like to find out more about Rick and Dave. And who wouldn't? Yes. Check us out at uh, ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com or also EckhartsPress.com. Those are our day jobs. Um, We are produced by Tony Lasano. The best producer in America. The executive producer of Opi Productions. Uh, we are distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The best distributor in America. Uh, you can you can email us at uh, minutiamedpodcast at gmail.com. The best email address uh, We in got a uh, thank you email from uh, the gentleman that you sent uh, the records, truly oh. is my middle name book. And he, the winner of our $10 contest. The winner of our $10 contest. You sent some sort of a, a fake $10 bill or something. It wasn't fake. Oh, well, (laughs) let him know that. Uh, But we will be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Man. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Losano Los or La, Los, Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. I'm Rokan. Do you like to talk about <laughs> politics? I actually don't. Politics, the problem is I'm, I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm the way that, that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the, either, you know, the hosts are either, you know, very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. Yeah. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything. 
anything that they're saying. Yeah. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple things that worry me about the future. I'm, I, this is, I'm getting to be an old man because it's like, I all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have <laughs> Armenian girls having sex with black guys. You know, like, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? You know, I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy because I, I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, right. but I, I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a centrist. I could yeah. see both sides and I decide who's, who's got the better idea at that moment right. that I think is going to be better for the future. It's not always the same thing. It's not always right. some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me and no. most of the right stuff doesn't make any right. sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels. Or no, entertainment no, no. Channels. Oh, and that's all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. And it's like, no, it's just talking points. The Federal Trade Commission mm-hmm. should do something about that. It is completely entertaining. And I've worked in cable news yeah. and I use that term loosely. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know, you think I that Glenn Beck oh my has any... I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Glenn yeah. is a showman. I mean, he's he, he didn't get in this for the right. politics of it. Right, right. I think Rush truly believes what he says. Really? I do. I yeah. always thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything. No, wow. I think he really believes it. Mm. And he's very he's entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it. And he could do it without calls. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's what very I'm few guys can do that. Right. There's Everybody in conservative talk radio has a first and last name. That's like the same thing. Hugh Hewitt. <laughs> and uh, like Lou Lewis. And there's guys. I mean, it, literally, there are guys that, you know, Tom Thompson. It's like, really? <laughs> you think we're that stupid? That we can't remember your name? Did you have the name of yourself twice? <laughs> Assholes. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called.